Hey, I'm Alan McGuire. I'm Sarah Griffin. And this is Juvenalia, a podcast where we talk to an interesting person about a bit of pop culture that was important to them when they were young. Our guest today is Eve Bell, and she is here to talk to us about My Chemical Romance and emo in general, I think. But we're going to start My Chemical Romance because uh, if you listen to this one, it comes out, they're playing in Ireland next week, and it just seems like a shame that we didn't have a My Chemical Romance episode yet. Yeah. So kind of like, amazing I've, that we didn't at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been following Eve on Twitter for a good while, and she's someone I associate with being a My Chemical Romance fan. Would that be fair, Eve? I think that's that's fairly solid to yeah. assume. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was, what, like 14 or 15, growing up in Donegal, singing My Chemical Romance at my pub gigs in Falcara. So, mm-hmm. yeah, the, it goes back that far. So Rural emos, let's get into it. Okay. Rural emos, it's a culture, yeah. Yeah, so give us your My Chemical Romance history. Um, how did it come into your life? I was, I'd say, 12 or 13, um, and I had kind of, I was into kind of dad rock through my dad, Um, so kind of I'd heard Pink Floyd and the Smiths and everything like that, and I was like, this is as good as it gets, surely, (laughs) and then I went off to secondary school and met all kinds of different people, and I think there was a friend of mine who just was just like, hey, like, that new sound you're looking for, like, my chemical romance or whatever, and I remember just being like, really really enjoying like the lyricism mixed with the boppiness because I think that's something that even back then I was like a real sucker for for good lyrics and storytelling and I think the Black Parade was was the first album of theirs that I was exposed to and I just loved I think it was the first concept album that I really Mm. ever engaged with and I just loved that I loved the storytelling I loved the commitment to characters i love how like unashamedly theatrical it was while not you know relinquishing the 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 genre like the theme um and yeah it just it just got me and then danger days was a couple of years after that and by then it was kind of hook line and sinker absolutely obsessed and um and then you know when they broke up i was i was deeply sad it was one of the worst things that had happened to me at the tender mm. age of like 16 so um yeah, that's the trajectory. It's uh, and then they got back together and and life was good again for a while and then COVID hit and then life was bad again. So um, yeah, it's just a whole roller coaster. It's interesting what you said about it being like your friend was like, "Here's the new thing." So I think at that age, you you just want something that your parents don't listen to. For me, it was like yep. Radiohead. I was like, my parents are not enjoying this. I would put it on the car and know that my mother was hating it. And I think Mechanical like, Romance is just a very parent-unfriendly kind of music, I think. It's yeah. very dramatic, very loud. There's no very little in the way of, like, clean guitars even really happening most of the time. It's very jagged. Kind but of there's kind of great music. melodies. That is what I will oh, say yeah. in terms mm. of the bridge between, like... It, it It's very tuneful. Like, it's not... I went into it... Um, full disclosure, I listened to Black Pride for the first time today. Um, ever. And really fucking enjoyed it. Like, really enjoyed it. But I was expecting it to be, like, math rock or something. I don't know why I was it's expecting that. It's very pop-friendly. It's so... Um, I don't know if you've ever heard, there's, like, um, an 80s synth remix of Helena on YouTube. I will go and, and look for that amazing. immediately. Amazing. It is, yeah. I would recommend 10 out of 10. But it translates really easily. I feel like the melodies are just... Gorgeous. Such, like, yeah. skillfully crafted um pop melodies almost and then it's just so high concept and and interesting in terms of the instrumentation that i feel like you've got this really unique blend of stuff going on that's still really interesting lyrically which i i just think is is really cool i think they've just they've just kind of hit every ticked every box and i think that's what makes them so iconic and i think that's what makes them so like inspirational across the board yeah. to so many bands because there's so many different sections of their work from which you can take inspiration um i really think that's what's special about them definitely like i think that the they're like they are i guess emo is an interesting moment right it's an interesting musical moment yeah. and it was one that i was i guess party to i watched it happen to everybody i know while not participating in it so can you talk a bit about like what that was like for you like what that world is and like obviously mcr like sort of at the the sort of next at the of heart of yeah, that the, like I the think, beating yeah. heart like so uh yeah because they're very, but they're also in the little bits of emo that i grazed over 
at parties and things like that they're less hostile hostile is the word I'm going to use yeah you know yeah I would agree <laughs> not quite as camp as panic at the disco but more playful and more... they're definitely on like the cooler edge of the pop punk thing where they have right. they have more of the metal than the punk I would say yeah well there's a good yes. bit of punk but like definitely they are although I have to say I watched a video for I'm Not Okay today which I haven't seen since like 2002 or 4 or whatever um, it's really Jared Way is really driving the aesthetic of the band in that video the rest of them are just pop punk guys they're it's just really vibing. they're just fine it's just, just a Gerard Way show they're just like... guys yeah guys with their um, cha- wallet chains and stuff where Jared Way is like properly like thinking about more than just the music yeah because it's an aesthetic then, as yeah. well right yeah it is and I, I think that's the cool thing about Broadway specifically is that he wasn't afraid to sort of feminize himself in yes. some ways and and you know dress really camp yeah. like I mean that's the thing about the Black Parade I'm not afraid to say it. it is camp it is high camp and it is amazing and Danger Days is even more so and I think that was one of the really important things about emo. It was like, in some ways, shedding that kind of like toxic, um, like the standards that, especially for men, that men could be held to. And, and Gerard Way could really be seen as an example of that. But it is like, like you say, it was some of the less hostile emo, which is nice to see. And I think that's why it has such a special place in my heart, because there was so much misogyny in emo music across the board in pop punk it's it's a very very well-known thing that it's it's not a very uh friendly space towards no. women and yeah. i think f- to have that to to have my chemical romance like so openly unafraid of being seen as feminine as well and in, in, in the art that they produce i think that was just a a cool thing about them as well mm. there's a really good essay by jessica hopper called where the girls aren't which she wrote in like 2003 2004 about emo um and just about like um about that about the misogyny about how all the lyrics like about how like in the 70s and 80s and 90s when bands would write about women they would write about a specific woman and name her and like develop her but layla was, was, was just <laughs> like, about like exactly. this generic <laughs> woman who has wronged this yelpy guy whereas we romans don't do that and also she was worried that like the audience for this music was predominantly women and young women and this was their first yes. experience of like really getting into music and it was with music that was like very hostile to their their gender um yeah definitely um i think as well like you you have that and like obviously i'm i'm a musician so like the i'm aware that like in music in general there's a lot of like misogyny across the institutionalized misogyny Mm. across a lot of different areas within within the industry but when you look at like thematically that the music specifically it, it is disturbing when it is marketed so specifically towards that that key demographic and there are those insidious messages in there so i guess it's nice to have a little break from that mm-hmm. where it's just concept albums you know mm-hmm. and i think i think that the art of the concept album is something that's been like a little bit neglected maybe and especially nowadays it just is it with the way we consume music it's just not feasible to do a concept album mm-hmm. um so it's you know it's 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 kind of a was you know something different even back then but b i think it's a real relic of that era because it just probably wouldn't be doable now you probably wouldn't get the go-ahead um from a label point of view to, to go for a project as, yeah, yeah. as daring as that yeah you I know it's like a really daring project hip-hop artists do it a bit more because they, they can tend to create characters for the case of an album and drop it or maybe singer songwriters the only on the one i can think of is dirty computer recently, or like um not dirty computer uh denominate's first album um oh yeah arch android yeah that's the only one i can think of offhand in terms of contemporary Mm. concept albums um but it's bold and like the first thing the first thought that i had on kind of embarking into black parade blind because it is blind and the only time the only reference i had for this even the song black parade funnily enough is a tiktok where a girl had recorded herself singing les miserables over the music to black Incredible. parade mm-hmm. oh my god it's gorgeous like it's really funny and really silly but it's mm. also like really musically impressive because the, like it's clearly part of black parade's dna 
the, the right so yeah. the size like of it name is yeah kiss, i think a bit as it well. kind of pays yeah. homage to that yeah. rock opera stuff mm-hmm. you know and yes. i think it does so in such an unabashed way it's not making fun of itself no. it's a very earnest piece of yes. art which i think is really cool yeah sincerity is uncommon difficult risky and fucking cool ultimately and upon listening to the album top to tail and then I went off and listened to some other tracks that a friend of mine recommended to me but I was like this is like a musical like yeah it is. like it really it's where there's world building involved and I think the cool thing about MCR is going straight from Black Parade into uh Danger Days and like those are two very different concept albums but like new danger days specifically it's like here are new characters this is a new world that we're building almost kind of you know muse knights of cidonia esque mm. kind yeah. of like sonically we are creating this yeah, yeah. sonically completely different to <laughs> to the previous album i was about to but go just... wow muse i literally haven't heard that name in so long but i used to <laughs> god yeah. i i don't know if we'll ever do a muse episode but i fucking loved them when i was a teenager oh like, we'll do an Art of the Century album don't Art of the Century episode yeah. <laughs> yeah i relied a lot on the twilight soundtrack for my taste in music mm-hmm. um they have several muse songs on there yes they um, do and they're so, right yeah they're objectively they correct so right. the drama yeah. Meyer is a huge huge muse fan she thanks them in in the intros to all of her books i didn't know that so that is yeah, great a woman of taste she, she yeah. is you can kind of feel that you can feel that musical yeah. color but like so with that scale and that rock opera level of things right and that like that camp right so you said yourself about coming from like a childhood of dad rock most of us were in some way uh absorbed rock music from our dad's mine's the eagles um like i have a country dad yeah oh wow yeah yeah yeah. yeah. that's rare that is actually Mm -hmm. yeah yeah watford Mm -hmm. (laughs) 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 wow my dad's from tipperary so i don't know what i'm talking about we're a city we are we have a cathedral they have a cathedral we have a starbucks Look, catch me in three years having moved to Waterford, though I, I feel sorry for slagging yeah. you then. But um, I think that, I think you've you've hit something really compelling about that, you that thing where you understand the, a sound of music that you like and then it explodes into these different shades and in terms of what you're hungry for when you're growing up, right? You know, like you want oh, yeah. the colour and the drama of bigger music like Muse or like now that I have extremely recently learned my chemical romance, you know? I think this is the thing about going through puberty, right? And we we dismiss, not dismiss, but maybe belittle um, just how nightmarish the the mental process of going through puberty is. Oh like, so you wake up one day and you just feel like suddenly no one has ever once come close to understanding you in your whole life. The lights are all is... on in the building and no one has yeah. ever set foot here. And it is so sad. Exactly. <laughs> You're like, maybe it's true. Maybe I am the most complicated person to ever exist. <laughs> maybe it's me. Yeah. And yeah. you are feeling it's such an isolating experience. And it's it's fun to look back at it and go, oh, haha, that was so silly. But at the time, oh, no. it feels like the world is ending. And suddenly you have this music that is yeah the world is ending and we're really mad and it's okay to be mad and there's a whole culture around people who are mad about the same thing and it's it's a space for you to um to explore that and to feel it and it is I think ultimately it's cathartic Mm -hmm. I think it is when when you feel when you feel heard and you feel that a certain thing is resonating with you and then that gets translated into even bigger drama and into different forms of art and you're seeing that and you're feeling scene i think that is something so important that music does and it continues to do for younger people but i think when you look at that serious fan base that my chemical romance had they all just felt that you know they felt they were all going through that and it it hit a chord with them you know yeah so career tell me what it was like then being i guess rural emo like tell me what it was like going through that finding your fellow heads in donegal I'm not gonna lie to you, it was not glamorous. Yeah. Um, it was, um, so Donegal, I, I'm like rural, rural Donegal as well. So um, it was, I kind of was into secondary school before I met anyone who was like, you know, into kind of the same, similar music that I was into. Um, and then it was, you know, you were hearing about all these different bands that people were into and you were like trying to 
like the same stuff as other people and some of it would resonate and some of it wouldn't but you know wanting to dress the way I wanted to dress and you know looking back at it now I, I really wish someone had stopped me but no one did um crucial to have been it, part of a movement though you will be what your time what our time was of like a cure head right which is baller as far as I'm concerned yeah I I guess so I guess so but um <laughs> it was I, I think for me it was like a little bit easier because I was a musician as well so like I was you know it, it was sort of generally accepted that I was like a little bit off the wall anyway <laughs> but um it was really really nice to suddenly find this community of people who like loved the same music as I did and I'm still a lot of my best friends you know to this day are people I bonded with over you know liking this music and feeling supported and seen by this music and a lot of the musical friendships that I made as well were about you know you know, like enjoying that same music, wanting to cover these songs, wanting to, you know, being 15 and wanting to sing like Hayley Williams as yeah. wildly misplaced as that she, ambition she was. She big notes. She's got some big notes. She's, she is incredible. Yeah. Like, I don't know yeah. what I was thinking would happen when I was 15. I was like, <laughs> I can do that. That's fine. Don't worry. Um, but yeah, I think it was just, it, it's just like a ready-made sense of community. I think that's what it is. And especially when you're in like a rural area and it's, if you're feeling a little bit, you know on the fringes as like again like puberty yeah. is just by default gonna make you feel like that and suddenly you have this you know people are like oh well I like My Chemical Romance and you're like well My Chemical Romance sing about all these themes and they sing about all these things that make me feel seen and feel heard and I, I feel represented and then you have all these people who are like well I feel that too and I think on some level that's a connection you know before you've even had the conversation you're like right well you clearly understand we both understand something about each other on some level because we identify with this. And I think that's a really cool thing about emo specifically because it is such a teenage oriented, you know, phenomenon. It was, it was such a ready-made support system uh, for better or for worse for teenagers, I guess. Yeah, it was. So Alan, you said that you were like, you're like, I feel like emo fell within a very specific set of years as well, right? Yeah, it's it's, it's almost a micro generation. And it I'm is. Like a micro generation older. Like, I remember being like, I would have been 22 when Black Ray came out. Yeah. And I remember uh, being quite resentful of it <laughs> because it seemed like Kerrang! bands were, were invading the enemy and MTV2. Were you still in the band be... then as well? Were you you were still yes, playing music? I was, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm, so that yeah, yeah. must have been a really jarring cultural moment where like guitar music became something kind of different. We really didn't. Pay, the, uh, the other guys in the band didn't pay attention to trends really at all. They were really their own thing. So it was really only I that even knew it was happening <laughs> essentially. But uh, yeah, I remember like it being. Even though I was only twenty two, but it seemed like mm. something for much younger people. I remember in Cork where I was in at the time. It was around Paul Street where all the emos would gather. So you could like observe them and see how young they were compared to you. And that there was nobody around, there was nobody my age dressing like that or really ever talking about mechanical romance. I remember when we were recording our EP, our producer, Burr, who has been on this, he oh, was yeah, like, Lads, you know, Fall Out Boy are actually really, really good. <laughs> we were like, Really? He's like, Yeah, these, this stuff's incredibly produced. Their the songwriting's really solid. We were like, Oh, okay, I guess. But like, that was really the only time it ever really impacted. Well, and the fact that the enemy decided to go full on into emo and start ignoring all non-emo music for about a year and a half, which um, I was very angry about at the time. But like, it makes it makes sense now. They wanted younger readers, and I guess that's the, who the, young people the were time to. thing is what is captivating me here because it did feel mm. like it went on like a cultural light switch, right? Mm. And then almost as quickly as it arrived. For the majority of people who went through it, it disappeared. And then there were people for whom it kind of lodged, you know, like any like any movement, I suppose. Like, I feel like I've gone through things like that myself where I've like swept in a tide and then it leaves me or I'm swept in a tide and then somehow I'm still yeah, continually like in that in tide. Like 2002 where there was just suddenly skateboarders everywhere in Waterford. Then there was just suddenly emos everywhere in Waterford. And it was that kind of just fump, 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 micro generations hurtling along. Yeah. It was such a when that when that music rose to the fore, I was just out of secondary school and just about to go into college and like moving through these huge social webs of people and house party to house party to house party. And it was just like little by little. No one was a musician or an artist. Some of them were visual artists, weirdly, 
um, and are now visual artists like in the world, which is kind of cool to be like, oh, I was at house parties with you. But mm-hmm. no one was a musician in that period. And to watch it like suddenly have this chokehold on people was astounding. You know, it was a real like a really powerful, powerful moment. And now that I've listened to a bit of it, having staunchly avoided it, I, I get it. Like, imagine being that raw bundle of nerves at that age and, like, hearing the big rolling theatre of those songs and being met with the lyrics. Like, I 100% did not understand and today was like, oh, shit. Yeah. Like, those songs, especially the I should have been there, like, you know? They, like, they live at the absolute tops of their emotions, yeah. those songs. Oh, they're great. What I'm listening yeah. to then does not. Mine was mumbly men in plaid, which Anna still is. It will always be mumbly men You know, men the worst plaid. thing is I was at the top, but, but I was at the top in just a different musical bracket. Mm. Do you know? If somebody, if one single person had said to me, this is kind of like Les Mis, I would have been all over it. <laughs> I would have been all over it. You say the word concept album to me at that age, and I would have been like, yes, please, num, 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 you know? But uh, nope, missed it like a fucking train and I'm raging now. It's the thing that like music fosters community and like yeah. all, in all the different, I was, I was only talking to, I think my boyfriend was actually talking to me about this recently, even about like, um, say like football songs. It's mm. like one of the only times that people sing the, together, like people who are really into sports or whatever, they all sing together. And like the, mm. the camaraderie inherent in that That's amazing. is across a lot of different, you know musical channels you know so it is one of the places where you are encouraged to express your emotion and I think especially growing up in Ireland mm. rural Ireland specifically but possibly across the board like it's it's a very difficult place to um, everyone has a lot of there's a lot of variation in how much emotion you're expected to express based on what setting you're in, how your family is, uh, the the kind of religious upbringing you might have. And then to suddenly have this community where it's not only expected, but like praised Praise, and like cherished. Celebrated, like yeah. The, the melodrama of it is what makes it wonderful. And I think mm. this is the thing is like being a teenager is just inherently melodramatic and that's okay. <laughs> but having that space is what you need and it's it's the the power of the the music to be able to do that and to provide that for people you know and like I, I think what you were saying there as well about it like I think because it was so marketed towards you know young women a lot of the time like a lot of those emo bands were really marketed towards young girls it also bore the brunt of that kind of early 2010s thing of anything being marketed towards women, women being yeah, discredited yeah. arguably so still happening actual... fully still happening yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you know um it was but it, it a lot of the actual value of the music was lost because it was like well those are teeny bopper bands or you know like the the, the whole thing of you know that emo look being so stylized and so mocked and whatever we can kind of look at that a little bit now for what it was, but at the time it was very, you know, uh, very normal to to kind of mock the way that these people presented mm. themselves right. and mock the kind of deviance from traditional masculinity. And, and that's something that we've moved away from a little bit, but the conversation hasn't really happened yet about how how much that was met with like hatred a lot of the time you know and like a, and a sort of a like a, a misogyny is the word you know what I mean like oh yeah really, like I worked that year what was happening in those years as well I feel like it intersects weirdly closely in terms of other micro like like moments is uh new rave uh was happening around that time as well on the other end of the musical spectrum and I know this because I was working in fucking urban outfitters at that time hail mary full of grace and I remember some of the lads who worked in the shop were like the level of attention to detail that they paid to their appearance was fucking unheard of they were fabulous you know decked out like accessorized tattooed their hair deliberately styled in elaborate ways and the gals who worked in the shop at the time as well who were more on the sort of scene and emo side of things there was such high attention to detail. I'm so sorry, Weaver is singing at the moment. I don't know what she's going through. That's right now. okay. She's having her feelings. Um, she's joining in. She's on the. I, I record from a weird space with a 
doesn't matter. You can hear her. She's upstairs. You can still <laughs> hear her. Um, I think the level of attention to detail that everybody put into their outfits was for me at the time totally fucking inaccessible because I was I was on MySpace, but I wasn't like on fucking MySpace. You know what I mean? I wasn't like taking pictures of myself from MySpace. I was there kind of bobbling around looking at things, but I wasn't pr- an active participant in this sort of aesthetic moment because I didn't simply didn't know where to start, you know? Yeah. And there was a look for both ends of the gender spectrum and anything in between that was very much like this is what it is to be emo or seen and here are the boxes that you tick off and again more recently on tiktok seeing a kind of a brief resurgence back towards that which is no doubt linked to my chemical romance going on tour again and like millennials being like it's fucking time to dust off the fucking stripy uh hair extensions we're going back oh, you know God. and then that's an unlocked memory kids right? who are trying that for the first time you know where yeah. it's a very very specific look um that is sort of like nothing else you know like it's a way to signal to everyone around you what kind of music that you like you know um so i, I probably have to have do a confession here about um something um, cause I completely forgot about this until today, even though we've been planning this episode for, uh, a little while now. Um, I used to write a song every week for this RT show called the rumor room, which used to be on network two. They'd have a topic of the week and then I would write like a parody song and they'd make a parody video for it. And the topic one week was emos. Oh, uh. So there is a song on YouTube called super emo disco party that I wrote the musical lyrics for. Uh, I would go to that party one and two, uh, stop out on yourself in this podcast, sir. I have to be, on, I mean, I have to, I'm up to my, my role in the stereotype. So you're an enemy of the community. Oh, no, I want, this, and again, yeah. this was in 2010. Like, so we're like typical RT, like topicality. Um, it was quite, it was, it was pretty friendly about it. I think I look, look okay. back on it today. I don't, there's nothing I like was like, it definitely was someone who was 26 looking at teenagers as he walked past them in Paul Street and just trying to find a way what he could see. 26 is still kind of a teenager. Like I was definitely kind of a teenager. Now it 26. is. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So I'd like to apologize to the emo community <laughs> for my role in super emo disco party. Um, do like a little YouTube apology. Right? I know, and I was, on your kitchen floor. floor you have to sit on the floor. Yep. <laughs> and I will drag in all the other now celebrities who were in that video as well to be part of it. Stephen Byrne of 2FM, formerly of 2FM. Cancelable offences. Of yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Anyway, yeah, I need to get that off my chest. Yeah, I think um, that was something that I more kind of looked at with a, with a, mm. a, a sort of a distance and an amazement, you know, rather than like... There was like definitely a snobbery to from, it from older music people. It was definitely seen as like something, like a, a thing to grow out of. Rather than an actual like legitimate like not thing yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> I just thought it was like I just thought it all looked so expensive, and potentially <laughs> because I worked in Urban Outfitters and the only kind of direct exposure to people who were like in the scene were was through that job that everyone was just so uh, elaborately and really stylishly turned out you know a lot of the time it was really inaccessible like back then you know I remember like when I was when I was growing up in Donegal you know I'd, I'd have I'd be heavily reliant on getting into Claire's when I would have trips to Dublin yeah and that was the extent of it I would just need to save up all where are you getting those studded belts those belts were fucking yeah. really pricey man they're very very cool yeah, but yeah. like I did not have the coin for that at the time yeah um, just these horrible little clip in hair extensions and um, i had a I had a little fedora hat Sick. um as well which was deeply upsetting to look back on but um not <laughs> my friend yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah it's not it's not it doesn't make me feel good you know <laughs> did you not... did you use myspace or was that part of that world a part of your own upbringing at all or was that sort of a different like i zone? got onto social media after myspace i was a facebook kid that when I eventually was on social media. Look, it was a couple so of years. So I missed out on MySpace. It was just a couple of years. It was only a couple of years. Yeah. yeah. Blink and it's gone, yeah. you know. Exactly. That's it. Oh, and now Facebook so is kind of not trendy anymore. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, but also yeah. there was a really, there was a really brief and compelling window for MySpace where that sort of intersection between scene and emo was just how everyone presented themselves. And like the other competing movements at that time were like new rave, I guess what people call indie sleaze now. Like there was a lot of different 
aesthetic and musical things happening that people were learning how to perform online for the first time and because everyone was in their late teens and early 20s it was performed at a height because what else do you do at that age only stick shit to yourself and try and use that as a kind of a translation method to the world you know um it's like it's an important sort of set of rings to have gone through you know in some ways i think yeah like being using your you know your clothes and your accessories and everything to express a membership of a community that you feel like represents you so like in in that style of music you know it's like like we were saying it represents immediately visually to anyone who looks at you you're like oh that person's into this kind of music that person's into that kind of music it is sort of in an unabashed way being like yeah i feel at odds with stuff it's you punk. know and it's it's a way it's, it's of channeling punk. that it is yeah. it is punk and it's we look back on that a little differently now like when we look at you know people you know mods and punks and all those kind of people who are dressing in that kind of way we look back at that and we're like oh that was really cool that just hasn't extended to the to the emo kids yet I think like it's we're coming. not there yet i think it's coming it will, the thing it is will as well, get there emo stuff was self-documented the mods they had professional photographers who are now famous photographers <laughs> taking oh photos. my god that's a great because it's a very with, different thing with emo yeah. like you know, everyone's like using their mods. <laughs> bad selfie from like, like yeah, up yeah. here. The first, mm-hmm. but also. In front of a door. But also aesthetically, what an incredible moment to be in in digital history. The first selfies, the first movement of teenagers documenting themselves rather than being documented by photographers, right? So if you look at it without yeah. the bias, it's actually an incredible aesthetic and artistic microcosm, you know? Not to be this person, but that's Please. the misogyny creeping that's back That's fucking in you're as well. not wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the the whole selfie thing. It's uh. like, oh, you're not meant to document how you look. You're not mm-hmm. meant to commemorate how you look and show off how you look. But that's what everyone was doing. Everyone was like, look, I spent three hours on my eyeliner and I have box dyed my hair for the third time in two weeks, and this is how I look, and I look great. And everyone commenting underneath it, being like, oh my god, you do look great. I'm going to take inspiration yeah. from this. I'm going to go away and try really hard on this. You're not supposed to do that. You're not mm-hmm. supposed to be so open about that. And that that whole wave of, of like hatred being like, oh, the vanity of the selfie and all this kind it's of so thing. Good that was I have, super I have, a, yeah, you know? yeah. I have yeah. a John Berger quote for you about this. I was just like, I've got a Incredible. fucking semiotics theory <laughs> quote for you. Oh boy, you painted a naked woman. You painted a naked woman because you enjoyed looking at her, put a mirror in her hand and you called the painting vanity, thus morally condemning the woman whose nakedness you had depicted for your own pleasure. Women are not allowed, like, capture our own images. And that is, and no matter what moment in style, a moment in history it is, it persists and it persists and it persists and it undercuts meaning and value this notion of vanity or narcissism which is completely disconnected from the reality of the act of expression of taking a picture of yourself oh yeah 100 percent. and i feel like that probably fed into the disparaging attitude towards like the men of emo as well because they were right already, they were wearing makeup they were yeah. straightening their hair they were wearing jewelry and then they were getting on the internet and taking selfies just like all these women that were being written off as vain and stupid and narcissistic. And that was a part of that culture. The whole culture was so online. Um, Like you say, it was very heavily based on MySpace, on YouTube, on all these different platforms. Oh, the first. Relied on the the selfie. The first sort of papery breaths of YouTube. But like, interestingly enough, the aesthetic of for uh, men and women at that time was very similar which is actually deeply fucking progressive when you think about it very. the haircut was the same the makeup was the same the accessories were in fact identical so there was sort of a drag element of it for for men at that time and yeah for sure I'm, my mind is getting like a little bit by a little bit blown as more we talk about this I'm like oh my god like this, all, this is really it fucking all comes important. back to Jared Way <laughs> they, they weren't getting it from, like, and, getting and it from New think... Glory you know <laughs> it, it was coming from like Angela Romance yeah and, and I think the thing about Gerard Way and, and like that feeds into that is 
it it was that was just him expressing himself that was just him expressing who he was and i think when men in the emo community saying the emo community sounds very strange mm. but uh the emo community no it was a time and it was would, a defined community it was yeah 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 it, when they would present in this way like with makeup on and with jewelry on and with their hair done that wasn't to be read as any specific gender identity or sexuality it was just a way of expression Mm -hmm. and that was the thing that overarched the whole thing it was like you can just express how you want to look without it necessarily having to be coded as anything other than i like emo music yeah (laughs) and i think that's that was a really cool space to exist in and it was you know something that was really you know i'm sure within that community there were their their own issues but it was super progressive for the time that it was in to have this space where like 14 year old boys could experiment with makeup Mm -hmm. and everyone would tell them how cool they looked you know like for the time like that's nuts you know for the time like and that is a really i guess every so often it sort of hits me like a landslide of how culturally different that world was than the one that we live in today like how different our language was how different our behavior was how different art was and media was and what we did and didn't have access to even if the internet was dawning it certainly wasn't what it is today in any capacity so i yeah you're dead right and the there is also this now in some capacity whether what has been eaten by the like gaping maw of the internet and things getting deleted or not there's also a record of this moment right of like people's pictures of themselves and people like it's a heavily documented time you know and that's oh it's gorgeous it might be one of the first of those waves of style that was documented in that way in in platforms that are still used you know because we are still we still have access to facebook we still have access to youtube i'm not sure where myspace is it's somewhere out there in the cloud but it's it's around god bless Um, tom (laughs) go look out there godspeed um but like we can still consume this in a way that is very modern and very Mm. accessible in, in a way that maybe like you know i if i wanted to go looking for you know articles about you know people who were into ska or people you know back in the 50s who were into you know emerging genres of music that takes a little bit more work and I'm yeah. reading it in formats that aren't necessarily built for me but nowadays I, if I was 14 and I wanted to read a Facebook thread from emos back in 2010 I can just right you can just go find them and that's mm-hmm. it's right there it is something that happened god 12 years ago now at this stage but it's in this this format that is still used by i suppose the modern day equivalent of that kind of socio-cultural group like these new kind of alternative kids are still using these platforms and they can interact with and engage with this content that came 12 years before it's just it's it's very new and interesting yeah that the records are right there you can just touch them yeah like yeah unreal what were the other bands that you listened to and like loved in that movement um so paramore were one of my big ones absolutely obsessed with paramore um bullet for my valentine as well i was super into uh slipknot were kind of on the on the heavier end of things but i really liked them yeah i went for them i was like in the pit for them at metallic I feel like the lineup was like I was a child for this. Also, <laughs> Full not a great place for a child. At no, a I, no, I was. They like were a little scary. 40, no, I was fifteen, fifteen, sixteen, but like an early noughties, fifteen, sixteen, which is like kind of younger than today's. Because there's no phones, no one's minding you. I feel like it was like Lost Prophets, Slipknot, and Metallica, and Slipknot were very impressive. It was a lot. It was a lot. I do. They're very interesting sonically like as i've gotten older now it's music that i like listening to because it takes a concerted effort to pick it apart and enjoy all of Mm. the different things that are going on because it's very complex and i enjoyed that at the time but obviously when my parents heard me listening to it they were like oh oh no (laughs) this is this can't be good um but yeah like um Gosh, yeah, Paramore were probably my my kind of first love. And then I suppose Muse aren't quite 
pop punk, but I was into them. Ah, there's at the something same time. though. There's something. There, there's some kind of link there going on. But um, I think I think for me, Paramore were so important, obviously, because it was like a female fronted band yeah. that were mm. taken very seriously. Yeah, she's like the Gwen Stefani of her day. You know? Like she's the direct she really predecessor is. to Gwen Stefani, like or whatever the yeah. other way of predecessor is. Descendant. Like, antecessor. Pre- no, <laughs> that's not a word. Antecessor is a cool <laughs> word, though. If whether it, it is, it should be a word. But she's like, yeah. you know, one of Gwen Stefani's little neon children. Do you know what I mean? She's like one yeah, of the one hundred percent progeny. There you go. Of and she's a really interesting one because she Haley Williams, like she's still obviously Paramore is still going, and she's releasing yeah. her own music. Yeah, and you've seen her her aesthetic kind of develop and graduate through different eras of what is uh like fashionable in pop punk and certainly she's been someone who's kind of set a couple of trends in, in terms of like how people how people are dressing how people are presenting themselves but just i i feel like watching a band go through so many different phases is, is really really cool and that's something that i suppose hasn't is, is one of the things that's kind of harder to do with emo because it was such a mm-hmm. such a self-contained little movement that i feel like a lot of the bands had to either adapt or disband you know yeah. And at Paramore have done that fantastically, but it's definitely a difficult thing to do. That's the thing about getting older and when your favorite bands are still together and you're still trying to find reasons to still like them, even though you really <laughs> are listening to those first three albums over and over again. Um, I'm finding that come up a lot lately uh, as a 37 year old man. Um, but yeah, Haley Williams is not a person who like lives at the absolute top for emotions, like in the 2000s, yeah. like Jaraway. It's, um, so when it comes to like your own music and like, how important is like um, the presentation of it to you? Because like your album covers are like the color scheme, aesthetic, all that. They were really cool. So like, how much thought did you put into it? Um, in terms of like presentation and stuff, it's it's a weird one for me because to be honest, um, the most important thing about my music for me is the emotion. Like it's like what you were saying. Like I try and have minimal filter between what I'm feeling and what I put in a song like Mm -hmm. I I really try and keep it as earnest and true to what I'm feeling as possible so when it comes to how that translates visually it's it's weird for me because I sometimes view my music as very separate from me and my appearance and and what I look like and who I am so sometimes it can be a little bit jarring to see all these kind of outpourings of like the innermost parts of myself and then with my face just stuck on the front of it, you know, because mm. it's a, uh, it feels like two very separate things. It's very much like my inner world is, is, is very much concerned with my music or vice versa. It's concerned with my inner world. So the presentation aspect of it, I suppose initially wasn't as important to me, but I think kind of, you know getting a little bit older getting to know myself a little bit more um getting to express myself the way that I I feel most comfortable to dress the way I want to and that's something that definitely owes its origins to being a little weird emo kid teenager Mm -hmm. like and I, I feel like I'm exploring that more now with you know with makeup with the clothes I wear with my hair with all kinds of different expression that is something that I feel will take more of a role in my music now because I feel like I'm able to do that more freely. But um, before, definitely, it just it just felt a, even a little bit jarring to have to um, conflate my kind of my art with my appearance. But that is something that goes hand in hand with music, I suppose. It is. And it's like I can think immediately, immediately popped, popped into my mind, but that was Florence Welsh. You know, like mm. that there is a for a lot of performers, there is like a again, maybe this is misogyny again, where there is a possibly it, it does pressure. generally do that. <laughs> there is a huge pressure on performers to imb- literally embody the music that they play, I guess, in some capacity, because you are on a stage like you are bringing your music out of your body. And so there's a pressure to incorporate what your body looks like into the work you know yeah, yeah. Like, but male artists especially male, male solo artists especially just oh, get to be some y'all can walk out there in a hoodie really. like really <laughs> yeah. like yeah. it's ama- it's lucky you guys you know in writers you mm. don't see it so much but there is off- there is a lot written about women writers and what they wear Donna Tartt has a really distinctive personal style I don't know if you've ever seen it she wrote, she wrote The Secret History um, which is on the Goldfinch but The Secret History is a big one but the way she dresses is really 
distinct and specific like it's part of her again I'm going back to the word aesthetic again like this is who I am this is what I do this is the performance of me the author and mm. uh well me me now like I'm not fucked but like I um and a part of why I love what I get to do is that I just put the book out there and you put the cover on and you walk away and nobody looks at you you know but with music there's something much more physical about that because you are playing the work you are producing the work out of your body out of your mouth you know like it's so embodied it's so different so having to participate in a kind of a visually aesthetic match to that it seems quite pressurizing yeah like it's a lot it is definitely and I think as well as a woman um it does come with certain restrictions because you want to present as feminine but not too feminine or else you'll be discarded or like a kind of dismissed as as you know there are there are pitfalls that come with that um and I think when I was a teenager I really felt that you know I really felt uh, when I started out in music, like trying not to dress too feminine, trying to seem like one of the guys. Oh, and yeah. um, I think I've just gotten to a point now where I really don't care. That's the best <laughs> um, place to operate from. <laughs> it's the best place to get to, but it's it's difficult for, for people trying to find their way, I think, yeah. mm-hmm. um, because you're hearing so much from so many different places about um, what is the right way to, to look and what is the right way to present yourself. And there is no right way really but it does feel like there is so much pressure to match your aesthetic to your art and that is just for me that feels like kind of fundamentally you know against the point of creating it because I'm I'm creating it because I can't express it in any other way yeah you know I've done one art I have to do a second art now David Lynch the movie is the talking don't talk about my work the movie is the talking the work is the talking exactly exactly like if you want to know who I am and understand me from an artistic point of view that's in the song like yo 100% um, but the body but it's an, is part of the signs and signals that we send, which ties back to the emo thing that yeah. I, you walk into a room and you have the, the kids are calling it an octopus haircut, I believe, as of recently, which is sort of a bit like the wolf shag that, you know, the haircut, their stylists have developed a name for it so people can walk into a salon and okay. ask for it rather than just <laughs> cutting themselves. But you know, the haircut and the stripes and all that and the big raccoon eyes. Yes. Like, that's a signal, you know? And like sending, yeah, I think sending those signals lets people who can read that visual language and who want that come to you. So in a way, it's like it's a really fucking poison chalice because conveying who you want your who you want to consume your art, like I'm I'm getting I have a point. I'm just struggling with language. No, I get. I think I get what you you're, know? you're like, getting that. Yeah, like we're trying to be a lighthouse, similar. and I'm not sure what to send out of the. The bit that people look yeah. at, you know? For me, it's it's not dissimilar for me to being, for, for you know, for me as a queer person. Like, there are ways that I signal that to people, in not intentionally, but in the way that I dress and in the way that I look like people look at me and they're like, oh, yeah, okay. It's a Kiro, like, that is, there's an Irish phrase for that, the Beatle recognizes another Beatle. Kiro, yeah, Kiro, yeah, there yeah. you go. Where it's just like, oh, yeah, yeah that's you know? it. Exactly. And, like, I think, again the more comfortable you get with yourself like I mean maybe that is maybe that will come across in some way or another in how I present myself on stage because I think you know as you get older you just feel more at home in yourself a little bit and I think that comes with age but I think as a 19 year old performer who wanted nothing more than to like just sing her songs and get the hell out of Dodge it was uh difficult to kind of feel you know, oh, I have to really represent this music. And I was like, all I want is the music to represent itself. But I think it I think it does go hand in hand with the profession, but it does certainly present a lot of challenges as well. It is. It's a big puzzle. So you really got to hand it to people like Jared Way, like for yeah. being able to be that lighthouse. And I feel like it I'm going to weirdly you know? say Billy Joel from Green Day as well. I'm going to be like, there was signals happening there as well. There was a visual. Billy Joel Armstrong. Yeah, is that his name? I'm like. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think you said Billy Joel. So Celebrity like, yeah, fucking like, face blindness. Like, Billy Joel? The piano man. Yeah. yeah. I did say Billy Joel because I don't know who anyone fucking is. Me and Carrie were talking about this earlier and I was like, oh yeah, I also have seen Green Day live. Billy Joe from uh, Armstrong from Green Day. Also with the fucking yes. accoutrement, the accessorizing. 
the signals and the eyeliner and yeah yeah, yeah. like also uh, Carrie made the point that he's like a bisexual icon and I simply never realized that growing up uh delighted you know but wonderful that there was like signals don't fuck actually given that I just misnamed him don't go me on that one like <laughs> that's just a I'm conversation just go and be like, Billy that's just Norm. Sarah Griffin <laughs> just said incredible Billy Joel Armstrong specifically whether or not that if that is his real name um, I'm just coming away being like Billy Joel is gay. I have to tell everyone I know. I like, don't know anybody's <laughs> names or faces. This is a warning. Don't like, worry about six it. Six year conundrum. Green All Day good. man. Uh, there's signals there, right? There's like these sort of not yeah. the Green Day or anything even compar- like pff, different planet musically, but there are signs and signals, right? And I guess this comes from punk, right? All of it comes yeah. from yeah. Like, well, they shared a producer and they toured together. Like, my kind of government supported them on the American Idiot tour. Yeah, so there is like, mm. there's like some uh, sonic DNA. overlap. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like, I think I think something that you were saying earlier, Sarah, about like the musicals thing. Yeah, I would almost say with the amount of concerted effort that goes into a creating a character, costuming, performance, and then the actual creation of the songs. They are there. It's like musical theater, like what they're doing. There is so mm. much that goes into it. Like they are playing a character. They're putting on a show. They are telling a story like it, it is quite comparable to performing in a musical. You know, there is slight, maybe slightly less acting involved, but like it's it's very the same kind of like labor intensive thing you know i watched um the start of um what's the live video the live dvd called death the black parade is dead i think the mexico yes. live gig and the, the like the the start before they go on stage is basically like first positions because like they have like he he's like getting onto a stretcher and he's wheeled out with an iv by two mm-hmm. people in doctor's outfits and all the band come out first and they're getting into the places and it's exactly like like setting first positions at when you, before the curtain comes up in a musical it's like yeah functionally identical yeah yeah i think it's it's the the whole semiotics of it is just really fascinating to me because that aids so like seamlessly in the in their storytelling um mm-hmm. but it's just I, I think the thing that really will always stick with me about it now being a musician and having you know worked on an album and worked on eps the sheer amount of ambition and coordination that it would take to to conceptualize a project like that and then to bring it to fruition and to have that kind of artistic vision is just it's just unparalleled i would say mm-hmm. um like maybe pink floyd were similar enough but even then i the theatrics weren't there that you know being wheeled out onto stage and on a stretcher and yeah you know even in in you know going straight from that to danger days and having this completely different concept that was like equally out there it's just the, the sheer creativity of it I think is really what sets it apart in some ways in, yep. it, that that elaborateness <laughs> differentiates it from punk profoundly because the whole thing with that that movement in that era is that it was like I don't give a fuck it was so no one had played their instruments no one had to sing it was DIY but also what exactly are you doing yourself mostly yelling like it was a, a disaster area and a mess and that was what the glory in it was and what in at the time critically at the time not now but what like people like the sex pistols were doing was directly speaking truth to power in a like very anti-establishment way again at the time not now um, but with that same level of like passion and difference there was so much consideration put into everything you know rather than yeah. like this is deliberately a mess it's like no 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 here are our costumes gentlemen you know like, i think it's as with the the comparison to punk it's just really interesting that it's like it was almost like a localized version of what punk's message was you mm. know because punk was directly anti-authoritarian anti-government and whatever and pop punk is like that too but it's almost on a more localized level in terms of where we had come on that little bit further in terms of understanding like again with the the emotions of like that teenagers were going through and all that kind of thing and punk started off yeah punk started off on that way in it with the anger 
but I feel like pop punk like toned in a little bit more on the the sense of isolation and loneliness and wasn't afraid mm. to talk about the, the sadness and the vulnerability that comes with that too and this which is I how we name really the cool. movement right and this is where emo yeah. comes from right emotional, e- emotional yeah. right so that's where it all seeds back to is to the emotion uh which is the opposite of like johnny rotten screaming god save the queen you know like there's something there's more... an emotion there but i uh, ah, it's just to say it's just bigger know. vaguer whereas the specificity and the idea that huge battles are won and lost inside of people you know yes is the, where from what I've gathered from my single day of listening to MCR um, <laughs> but I'll fucking listen to them again do you know I was like this these are bops yeah. like this is I'm mortified that I turned away from it I feel stupid for having missed it do you know like it is such a I, I remember uh, this was before shortly before COVID I went to see 21 Pilots who are maybe one of the yes. most kind of up to date emo bands and I wasn't a huge fan but i went to the gig i was weirdly at the three arena that day i was like i I was i I, I used to live near there and i was walking by and the crowd were turned out yeah i was in there yeah i was vibing they looked amazing Um, right so i didn't know like it was the closest thing to emo kids that i'd seen in fucking years basically yeah no and it was it was really cool being in that in that space and it almost felt like reclaiming that part of my my teenage years yeah. a little bit but I remember so clearly there was this girl in the front row and she held up a sign and you know how they have those cameras that kind of swoop along <laughs> the audience and you come up on the on the screen in the back and she had this sign that just said thank you for saving me and I, that has just always stuck with me as like such a wonderful part of that community that is so openly emotional yeah. because people are really open about like, oh yeah, this music really helped me when I wasn't feeling good. And that's something that's just really openly conversed about in these spaces. And I think that's great. I think there should be more of that, you know, and Mm. I hope that only improves and continues, you know, that always just stuck with me because I was like, yeah, you know, good for you for a glad that this community helped you and this music helped you, but B that you're so open about that you weren't okay and that you're trying to do better and this is this is something that you used for support i just think that's a great ethos you know Catch it's cool me at the front of bell and sebastian you know? <laughs> yeah, like, thank you for all the fucking 40 year old record collectors standing around that's me at, at charlie xcx like... i'm like this <laughs> yes. saved my life in more ways than you I know i too was busy dreaming about boys charlie vroom <laughs> like... <laughs> vroom charlie you're so right i don't know man <laughs> Holy um, shit, this so, has been a long yeah. one. Whoa. Yeah, but yeah, I want to make yeah. sure, right? Because, Eve, if you listen to a podcast about mechanical romance, is there something that we haven't yes. talked about that you'd be like, I cannot believe that they did not mention Cause this? Because imp- it's important that this one is a the, long one. The so. new song. Oh, yeah. The new song. Yeah. What, do you like it? Of Decay. Yeah, yeah. I do like it. I okay. do. It, I feel that it is really brave for them to come back with like a non radio friendly sing- sing- mm-hmm. single as well. Like, I thought it was not necessarily like the most like cut and dry like like pop punk single that they could have come back with but it is so authentically them Mm. and so authentically so much so that i feel like anyone who's been longing for a my chem song for so long would get that and be like amazing this is this is ticked all the boxes in yes terms, yeah then yeah <laughs> it feels it feels slightly more mature but still yeah, we've, put it's a, still we've put a noise emotional. level you know counselor <laughs> yeah. thing on our on our phones since then but it still yeah, sounds yeah. good you know yeah um but yeah that's that's probably one thing that we missed but uh yeah i like it i think it's good you should check it out if you I haven't know, today they probably yeah. don't have to be radio friendly because they know you guys are still there and also the that's way it. they're meeting new audiences is through social media so they don't have to rely on kind of mainstream DJs to get to the people they yeah. need to get to. If Beyonce is releasing concert albums with no singles, My Chemical Romance can release a six minute like, single is, up there. This Lemonade was a concept yeah, yeah. album. Yeah. That is, I forgot about, I forgot about yeah. Beyonce. I, I can't believe Lemonade. I forgot yeah. about Lemonade. <laughs> oh my God. Where go. do I know? Anyway, that was Eve, stunning. Eve. Please plug yourself. Tell us about your album. Yes. Um, my album is not pop punk, but it is very sad so it has that in common um it's called in between moments it is on all the different streaming platforms and you can go have a listen to it um 
I am currently working on new stuff and will hopefully have some stuff released this year, fingers crossed. Um, but in the meantime, I'm on Spotify um, under Eve Bell. You can listen to all the previous stuff that I have there. Um, I'm on Twitter and TikTok and all anywhere they'll have me, to be honest, um, under Eve Bell songs. So you can also follow me on those things. Um, yeah. That's about, that's about it, I think. There we go. Sarah, where can we find you? Um, still mostly in my house, Alan. Um, <laughs> my two novels, Bearing Vampires and Other Words for Smoke, are available in all good bookstores. I promise I'll have another one very soon. Um, on Twitter, you can get me at Grifsky. At Instagram, you can get me at Sarah Grifsky, which, you know, you've probably come to me there because I, Twitter is a terrible place. Um, and... Plug your TikTok. Go on. Do oh, it. make the make the make the, the oh, leap. Oh, I made the made the leap. Yeah, I made the leap. But mostly, what I do there is just write weird text posts. So, really, what's that difference? What's the difference from how I use the rest of the internet? Just writing weird shit down. Um. So my TikTok is also it's O Grifsky O H G R I F F S K I, and I just post weird little bits of text. So, how about you all? Uh, I'm Alan underscore McGuire everywhere. Um. I have no extracurricular activities. Juvenilia oh. is my extracurricular activity. Um, Juvenilia is Juvenilia underscore pod on Twitter. Juvenilia pod on Instagram. Um, we have Patreon where we have bonus episodes. Where we oh, and they're really good games. as well. They're Most, really good. Essentially what we started and finished in the last two weeks. And they're always um, brilliant. They're yeah. really fun it's for me. So I assume <laughs> they'll be fun for you. I hope. That's all that matters. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, we have our fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, thank you to Dean McDonald for our artwork. Thanks, Dean. Uh, thank you to Tall Tales for having us. I love you, Cassie. And thank you again to Eve Bell. And we'll see you in two weeks, oh, everybody. Thanks, Eve. Thanks, Bye. Bell. Bye. Bye. Bye.